Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three and three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What's up? Happy Monday. Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Raja Bell. Happy belated Mother's Day to all the moms and wives out there who uh, are listening. I have a question for you. Yeah. Does it make me a bad son if I didn't tweet a message, a personal message to my mom out there who's not on Twitter? It, no, but no. Did you tweet one to your wife? I did not. But she's not really on Twitter either. So no. So that's uh, what like, I think. Yeah. I mean, I what? had a couple people because I put out like a happy Mother's Day to all the moms Correct. out there. And I had a couple people like, oh, well, you can't even say happy Mother's Day to your mom. And I'm like, she's not on Twitter. Yeah, I don't. She is on Instagram, which I didn't post there either. Yes. Yeah, I could have. I could have helped myself out a little bit there. Yeah. But I anyway, want, I'm doing it on the podcast, which she doesn't listen to. Even so better. I'm making it up for all of it. I just took a picture of my wife and mom together in the same photo, which is very hard to find, by the way. I don't know why right. they, they usually take the pictures, I guess. But two of them together with my daughter. Happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful Boom. women out there. Knock two birds out with one stone. I'm good to go. There it is. All right. It was the game that everybody was looking forward to. Uh, it was the Cavaliers against Boston. So the Cavs go into Boston, and it was not even close. Yep. Cavs looked flat. Boston looked on point. They come out completely dominate. LeBron struggled, only had 15. He was 5 of 15 from the field. Uh, he had a minus 32 uh, for the game. He said he had zero level of concern at this point. But you, watching that game unfold, is this a uh, Cleveland was flat, or is this Boston's flat out the better team? There's a lot to unpack. Yeah. There really, there really is. Um, I'm going to start with the question about Boston being a better team. Yes. They are a better team from top to bottom than the Cavs are, except for LeBron James. Um, and LeBron James is the best player on the planet. So to my next point, when LeBron James acts like the best player on the planet, they're going to be a markedly different team. And I don't feel like he acted like he was the best player on the planet yesterday. Um, I wasn't sure if he came out flat. Or if he saw what the Boston defense was trying to do to him. Because Brad Stevens is really good game planning defensively. They were one of the best defensive teams in the league all year long. Um, you know, Marcus Morris has come out and said that he is, you know, as good as anyone except Kawhi on him. And he did a really good job. Um, but he had a lot of help. And so they, they selectively double teamed him yesterday, which, you know, I think you should do to any really, really good player. But they didn't only double team him. They doubled him. Uh, when he got close, they doubled him as he was about to make his approach to the rim. And then there were other pick-and-roll situations where they didn't double him. So they kept him off balance, which is what you need to do. Because of that, he looked very passive. And he came out and he looked like he said, well, if you're going to double me, you know, I've got capable players around me like Kevin Love will make shots and Rodney Hood will make shots and Jordan Clarkson and J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver. But they didn't. And so I don't care if you lose the series. Go down swinging. And I don't feel like LeBron was swinging last night. And I think – if you went and you really could get a really forthright answer from him, he, he would he would tell you that he has to be the best player on the planet for them to have a chance to beat the season. He wasn't that. He he doesn't have to score 50, but he's got to try to take the game over like he's the best player on the planet and make them adjust, and he did none of that. The Seas were the aggressor. They were at the rim. They were in attack mode. Um, they've got way more players that can spread you out and take you to the rim off the bounce. It posed a huge problem for Cleveland. Um, so LeBron, look, your only hope is that you, that you 
click back into like I'm the best player on the planet mode and let's do this. So I think I I totally agree with you, but I think also I think the supporting cast, those guys have to pick it up. And I felt like that was the difference in the Indiana and the Toronto series because against Indiana, they didn't play great. Right. Indiana almost got them. Took them seven games. Toronto, you started getting more production from Kevin Love. Uh, from Tristan Thompson. Like they all started to be more consistent, so they were able to go out there. And LeBron was LeBron, so you had this perfect mix. This game, and this is the worst case scenario for the Cavs, is LeBron plays bad and Kevin Loves goes five of fourteen from the field. And, you know, you don't get much out of those other yeah. guys. So then that's how you have the recipe for a blowout. It's easier for guys that are following LeBron to do what they do once they see LeBron carrying the load. You know what I mean? It's easier. Once you see LeBron's arm, it's easier for you to be on. Now, we're all pros, and I wasn't necessarily wired like that because I, I love the playoffs. I wanted I wanted to be the dude in the playoffs, even though I wasn't good enough to right. be the dude in the playoffs. But um, they came out, and they, first the, the Celtics were switching everything early, which means you were going to have mismatches across the floor. And they're doubling LeBron, which means now you've got four guys on offense aside from LeBron playing against three guys on defense because two of them are committed to LeBron. Um, when that ball moves out of LeBron's hands, and usually it moves to someone, and they're able to rotate, and you move it, and you move it, that guy's either going to have a shot, or he's going to have a drive. I felt like the the Cavs just settled for stationary, stagnant, long, contested jump shots, which is like the antithesis of what Boston was doing. Boston was dominating at the rim. You know, it was remarkable, because usually nowadays, like, the three-point line is what kills you, and eventually they got to that. But early, it was like physical, I'm better than you, I'm more athletic, I'm going to take you to the rack. And I think some of those role players from Cleveland would have got going had they not settled for those early like casts of like long 30-foot jump shots and just put their head down once they had that mismatch and went to the rim, and they didn't do it. So Marcus Morris, he said he was the, the second best at, at defending LeBron besides Kawhi. There's actually some analytics out there. At, stat for that? At second spectrum. Uh, had found out that LeBron has shot 33% in the half court over the last five seasons when Marcus Morris is the nearest defender. Yeah. It, do you see something that, like, when you watch the matchup, is he, is he less, is he, is it a size thing where he's better? Is he all over him? Is it an intimidation factor? Like, what, it, and is, is he right? Um, I don't know. I, he gave LeBron a hard time last night. And I, I like to say as a defender, like, I'm only as good as my help. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, you know, I can do a good job on a guy, um, but these guys are so good offensively that eventually if you give him enough dribbles, he's going to get where he wants to go. So I need help. I need – when he looks over my shoulder, he needs to see you looking at him. He needs to see Debo looking at him. So he knows, like, look, even if I beat Raja, I can't go anywhere. There's nowhere to go. Right. Um, and so I think he had the help of his of his teammates. But there is something to be said for a guy getting under someone's skin, just being, a, you know, a little bit of a nuisance, somebody that right. – I think Marcus Morris is tough enough that LeBron respects like that toughness level. And Lance Stevenson is all up under all his up. head, and that's why I think that series went yeah. seven. Like it yeah. impacted him. So there, 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 there is something to be said for that. I mean, I just look. I can't get away from the fact that the Cavs, you know, shot thirty six percent from from the field. They hadn't made a three. I mean, they were fifteen percent for the game, and I don't think they made one until three minutes to go in the third quarter, and they were still casting them up. Like I know I'm harp like harping on this, but you have to get to the rim, and if. If stationary ISO pick and roll basketball isn't doing it, then Ty Lue, you got to get us into some sets that get some movement um, and allows us to slip some screens or curl to the basket. But we have to get something going to the rim. All right. So after the game, LeBron, he said he had no concern, not at all. He said he's been down one zero. He's been down two. He said he's not worried about it at all. But there was a moment in the post game presser, and I don't know if right. you saw it or not, when there was a reporter and she said, "What happened at the start of the fourth quarter when there was a seven zero Boston run?" 
You see this? I did see this, yeah. So he goes through it, and he starts with the possession, and he says, well, so-and-so took – I can't even remember. Yeah. It's like, he, you know, so-and-so took out the ball, went down to two seconds on the shot clock. Marcus Smart took a three from the corner. He's like, then I took the ball up the court and dished it. To, and, like, basically gave you a second-by-second breakdown of those possessions through the 7-0 run, and everybody's, like, jaw hit the floor – Everybody was like, oh, my gosh. And Twitter blew up. People were like, this guy's a savant. Right. Your reaction? Um, it gets pretty cool that he could do that, but I know a lot of guys that could do that. Right. Uh, I do. I mean, like. You it know, was only like an hour before that moment. Yeah. And, I mean, look, that's. First of all, I haven't been in LeBron James' shoes. Like, so I don't know how much he's got on his plate mentally. Mm-hmm. So it might be even more impressive than I think it is. But I do know guys they, they could do that. Like, I could detail for you what happens in a game as I'm going through the game because I, ju- I just did it. You know right. what I mean? Like, Larry Brown used to be able to do it, and he'd blow me away because he'd watch, you know, he'd watch us scrimmage. He was my coach in, in Philly and, and in, in Charlotte, and he would watch us play for, like, five minutes. And he could he could sit there and just watch it. He wasn't playing it. And he'd, he'd tell you where you were, like, in help defense. Like, you know, LeBron's telling you what happened in terms of who scored and where they got the shot from and stuff like that. Liar Brown could tell you like where the defense was and what the help side rotation man did when you made that. And, and so now he's watching five guys and remembering what, what five guys on the court are doing. So they're, they're very degrees of that. It was cool, but yeah, like, I, I think it's a gift that certain people have and it's ability to recall things and whether it's photographic memory, whether it's short term, like I don't think LeBron could go back in game two against Indiana and pull that type of recall. Right. But like I've played golf, with guys and you go out and I think this is getting to like the gift part of it, where some people have it. Some people don't. And you'll sit down after the round, you'll have a drink, a cigar. And yeah. They're talking about the round and I played with guys and these aren't great golfers. These are pretty good golfers. And they'll say, well, remember the third hole and that approach shot. And I can't remember it. Cause yeah. I, I kind of, once I do something, I kind of forget it and focus on the next thing. So I right. kind of, that's like my philosophy in sports. So I don't recall the things that great. But I think it's just a gift that some people have and some people don't. Obviously, LeBron has it. It would be a gift and a curse, though. Like, yeah, No, yeah, I could because true. I'm the guy that could tell you like exactly what happened on 18 holes of golf. I can recount every stroke. You can. I can. But I'll also hang on to stuff a little longer. Like right. and in sport, you have to have a short memory sometimes. Like You have to be able to say, look, I shanked that. I'm on to the next. And let that process it, let it go. Um, and so that will hurt you sometimes, too. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, let's do it. Rockets Warriors tonight, 9 o'clock TNT. This is the matchup. That I think everybody knows is probably going to determine the NBA champion. Yep. It's the Western Conference Finals. It's the Golden State Warriors versus your Houston Rockets. You've been on them for a long time. I have. It's your boy, Mike D'Antoni. Yeah. They've looked good. It's exactly where we thought would be. Where are you now? Are you going, are you, are you still rolling with them? Um, yeah, I, I'll still roll with them, but I do want to say, uh, and I've said it before, they didn't look like the offensive team that they needed to be through the first few rounds of the playoffs. They have to be better than they were. It didn't look like it was clicking the way Mike's offense should click. There were guys who individually had really good performances, but that's not the beauty of that offense. The beauty of that offense is when they're like it's choreographed and they're, you know, it's it's much more ISO um than Golden State, but it still creates a lot of opportunity through natural flow for other guys when they run that high pick and roll. So if if they look like that and I do think they'll win game 1. I think they have to win game 1. Um, playing at home, I, I, yeah. home crowd, you've got to get off and try to get more than any other series. Yeah. I think that they have to, James Harden needs it. Um, Chris Paul needs it. And if they need it, everybody on that roster, Mike D'Antoni needs it. So they, they have to win game one, but I think they'll get it. And I think defensively, like there are a lot of questions about how Houston's going to play, um, Golden State. 
but defensively they've got a lot of pieces. I mean, they've got they've got Eric Gordon's, they've got Trevor Reeds's, they got Luke Mbamute, they have PJ Tucker, Gerald Green. Like all of those, um, minus maybe Eric Gordon, are really really good wing defenders. Any one of them could play Kevin Durant or Draymond Green and switch all the way switch all the way down the line to Steph Curry. Now. They might not all be first team all defenders, but they're all like known to be good defensive players. And I think that's going to, that's going to help a lot. They're deeper than Golden State. Golden State is more top heavy. They got better talent one through five. Houston's a deeper team. So the Warriors come out with their death lineup, uh, yeah. Hampton's five. I, I, I don't like either it's name. Five. I think they're both corny. Like, right. let's go with their smaller lineup. Like, right. <laughs> like let's call it something normal. Um, so they didn't, they didn't use it at all uh, in their three regular se- season games versus the Rockets. Um, they've only played with it 54 minutes together in the postseason, 127 minutes in the regular season. So they really haven't done it that much. Right. From both standpoints, from the Warriors, is it hard for them to get adjusted through the play, like to get to this point where it's smooth? And for the Rockets, having not seen much of it on film or in person at all, does that, could this be the difference maker of the series? Um, I, yeah, ultimately, I think. The or do success, we all make a big deal out of it because of the stupid name? Well, we make a big deal out of it because yeah. ultimately, like, that's their best lineup. Right. And teams play their best lineups when right. they can. And so it will determine, to some degree, uh, the success that they have against the Rockets and conversely whether the Rockets can defend it or not. But I think there's enough data and, and film out there on the lineup, whether it was against Houston or not, for them to get a good feel on what they want to do. Like, Coach, I think it's Bazilic. Jeff Bazilic is the, like, the defensive guy there. Um, He's got enough. His guys that he trusts have enough info on what they run when that lineup's on the court that they'll have a game plan. Whether it works or not remains to be seen. The problem with the death lineup, right, as opposed to, like, the Rockets offensively, is, like, the Rockets, you know, are are 14% of the time they're in pick and roll, like, ISO situations, right? ISO, that's a lot. And the Warriors are, like, 6.6% of the time. And so when you're running ISO ball, it's a lot easier. You gifted ISO players – uh, really gifted and can and can score against a lot of different you know looks defensively, but it's it's pretty stationary and it's easy for me to account and do and make sure I I fulfill my assignment right. My assignment is to touch Danny on the roll and then crack back out to the shooter because somebody else is going to pick Danny up at the rim. That can get handled if you're stationary and it's coming at you all the time. While at six point six percent of the time, like that's a really small number. The Warriors are running a lot of continuity stuff. There's people movement. There's ball movement. There's screening action on the weak side where I might not be locked in, you know, eyes on man and ball and seeing, and boom, I'm slipped to the basket. And so it's harder to guard. And so you can have guys that are game to defend, but because they're not stationary, because they're moving, um, it's harder to guard. So that means, again, Houston has to be that much better offensively to have a chance in the series. So two best offenses this season, uh, points per 100 possession, Warriors 112, uh, Rockets 112. They are both yeah. first and second ranked offenses. Historically, these are two all-time great offenses. Is it crazy to think that actually the team that plays better defense is the one that's going to win? Uh, yeah, yeah, but I th- and that would favor the Warriors, right? Because they've, in their championship runs, they've played really good defense. This season they haven't. Because they don't care. Right, but Houston's been a really good defensive team this year too. Um, the question is Capella, right? And, and like it's somewhere in our notes here, but it, it really is the question because when, when Capella is on the floor, I think the Rockets are a better offensive team. I don't know statistically what it says, but when they're, when he's been on the floor defensively, 
All right, when he's been on the floor defensively against that death lineup, the Rockets have 127.5 defensive rating. That's horrible. Mm -hmm. And if you can't figure out a way with the death lineup or the Hamptons five lineup on the floor for Clint Capella to be effective defensively, then you got to take him off the court. And they're not nearly the same team offensively because he presents a real problem for defenses himself when he picks at the at the top of the key and rolls straight down the middle and catches lobs. It puts defenses in a really precarious situation. So. They've got to figure out whether they're going to switch all pick and rolls with Clint Capella when he's out there. He's adequate, kind of like Tristan Thompson guarding guards out on the perimeter, but not great. Or you're going to, you know, you have to figure out what you're going to do. Like that's a coach's job and, and that is going to, that's going to be as big a key as anything in this series, whether or not he's effective defensively against that lineup. Who do you think has the best series? I'm going to give you three names. Right. Is it James Harden? Mm -hmm. Is it Kevin Durant? Or is it Steph Curry? Uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, I think Kevin Durant. I, he was he was absolutely incredible through this stretch of the playoffs. Like there were a lot of people saying, "Hey, he's playing better than LeBron James." I don't know if I would have ever gone that far. And again, it's kind of like they're different players. They are. They do different things. But he's he's looked incredible. He's looked the part. But, uh, I would tend to agree with you probably. But I think if the Rockets are to win, Harden's going to have to have one of those series where he averages like thirty five. Yeah. You know, if I don't play. trust him, I know to be to do it, uh, he might have a game like that. Yeah, I don't drop forty or forty five. I don't trust his consistency in the playoffs. I mean, I've got a sample size now. I want to trust him, um, but I don't trust him. And again, like the, him and James, him and Chris Paul, like they have to be on. Mm -hmm. Like you know, that's the beauty of Golden State. Like if if Katie's off, you got Clay Thompson, you got Steph Curry, heck, you got Draymond. Like you have you know Iguodala. You have people that can come in, and because the ball's moving and people are moving, they can get buckets. But you've got two primary ball handlers. You know, Eric Gordon's got to have a really good series for them. Eric Gordon's got to be really consistent because he is the guy that can kind of supplement if one of those two guys are off. The rest of those guys can shoot, but he can actually play make. Um, and the NBA is trending now where you need a bunch of guys that can play make, not only shoot the ball. So Eric Gordon's got to be consistent. And then, you know, one of them could have an off night if he goes crazy. But for, by and large, they both need to be really good. So who are you going with? You think the Rockets get it done? I'm going to go with the Rockets. I'm not changing now. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Rockets. Boom, all in. Yep. I'm going to go with the Warriors because I said it like uh, three weeks ago. I'm like – we, as much as we've talked about all this stuff, who could possibly knock them off? I think it's going to be Warriors over Cavs. Even yeah. after the Cavs. You still think the Cavs? Uh, probably. If over I was smart, I would switch. Yeah. But they'll probably no, you're not. Back. Look, dude, it was, it was one game. If LeBron ain't panicked, I'm not right, panicked. Right, it's one game. I'm saying it's going to be Warriors over Cavs in the long run. All right, we have some other NBA action going on tomorrow night. As the NBA draft lottery takes place, you liked to me that was nuts when I said, "Hey, is that when the balls?" Drop? <laughs> I was I like, like, "Who's going through yeah, puberty here?" What are we balls. talking about? Yeah. So they have the the uh, the lottery balls will come out and they'll find out who gets these uh, top picks in the draft. The odds of who gets the number one pick favor the Phoenix Suns. Right. Uh, they have a twenty five percent chance of getting the number one pick. The Grizzlies are in second at twenty percent chance. Mavs, Hawks goes on down the list. Um, so for you, out of these teams, who do you think? is like the most desperate for the top pick. Or it doesn't even matter. Like is it a top um, three pick is what you need the most. I think in this year's draft, top three pick is 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 gold. You've got a lot of names out there. You got And is there there's not that much separation between one, two and three. I mean there could be. I haven't been watching the kids work out and through their pre draft and quite frankly I, I haven't I wasn't watching college basketball to that degree. Mm -hmm. So my eyeballs tell me having seen all of those guys, you know, a little bit that that there isn't that much difference. Right. Now what you saw, like last year, I didn't think so either, although I thought Jason Tatum was the best player in the draft. And I think Boston 
you know, like had they, they stole it from from Philly. Philly made the wrong pick. So you never know what one of those guys is going to do once they get to the NBA. But I think top three, you'd feel really, really good. Um, in terms of desperation and needing the pick, it's the Suns. Yeah. Like, and but not just needing the pick, they have to get it right. Right. They've got a really, really good player in in um in Devin Booker. They have to find someone to go with him. They have to find either the Batman or the Robin to Devin Booker. Um. To continue building, they've almost what, done a little mini process. Like they've, yeah, they've been awful. They have one of the youngest rosters in the NBA. Yeah. They've got a critical piece in Devin Booker. Like if they can keep building to it, then you add a veteran piece, and then you're like, all right, you're not that far off. Yes, they have to find the guy, and I think, you know, I don't know what their need is in terms of what what position, but they like if they get a top three pick, they're going to be in good shape. All right, cool. All right, so watch out for that. I think it is fascinating to see that uh, unfold because I, I actually. I don't know if I like the NBA process, but it's different. It's yeah. different than the NFL where it's just, hey, the worst gets first pick. I, so I kind of like that there's a little bit of uh, uh, drama that unfolds. You know who's extra salty, though, today? Ooh. Like, not only did they get smashed last night, but you don't see the pick, the pick that oh, they yeah. have from Brooklyn. Like, you don't right. see Brooklyn up here. The right. Cavs got shafted again. <laughs> yes, they did. Well, let's do some overreaction and proper reaction. Yep. There's been a bunch of stuff that's gone on. One of those was Tiger 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 Woods, y'all. Yeah. At Sawgrass. Yeah. Came out there Saturday, put up a 30 I'm, on the front nine. I'm cheesing right now. I can't help it. I'm I was cheesing. pumped My up, bad. too. 30 on the front nine. You know, shot 65. Would rock it up the leaderboard. Yesterday comes out on fire. Front nine again. He's on fire. Cut. He gets to second place in the leaderboard. He's thinking, uh-oh, Webb yeah. Simpson could fall apart. He's going to choke. But Tiger kind of fell apart a little bit. But still put together two he limped in. rounds. So... We've seen Tiger Woods looking pretty sharp. So is it an overreaction or a proper reaction that Tiger Woods will finish in the top 10 at next month's U.S. Open? It's an underreaction. Oh, it's really? an underreaction. Tiger Woods will win the Whoa! 2018 U.S. Open. Right. He will win it. So, so far on the off the bench podcast, yeah. we've had a guarantee that'll win the Masters from me. Yep. Yep. And now we've got a U.S. Open guarantee. Sooner or right. later, somebody's got to hit, right? Throwing these guarantees out there and we'll look like geniuses. Yep. You know what? I, I mean, he said it in his, what's his quote after final round? I really play really, I really played really good today. I hit it so good, Woods said after. All right. I had, control of it from T to green. I made some putts. It felt good on basically every facet of the game. It's weird not to really miss hit a shot today. That's what I took away from it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the fact that he came up short and had a little bit too much spin on 14 and it came back off the false front. It wasn't that he missed the putt on 16. It wasn't that he was like, well, he was like three or four yards short on 17. Yeah, yeah. But that wasn't it. It was that I didn't see the loose shots. You know, he yep. typically threw around, will have something working, and then he'll hit just a really loose, loose shot. And then he'll follow it with a couple, you know, you didn't see those. I mean, he was hunting. You know, th- that ball striking was there. He, w- he was on pins. He was aggressive. And so just, I, I, I don't care if he wins. I've said this before. Like, I don't care if he wins these tournaments necessarily. Quite frankly, I don't care if he wins the U.S. Open. I just want to see him continue to play good golf and trend. And eventually, I think, if he does that, He's going to win something. And so that I was really excited just to see that. Me too. So I have a theory on Tiger Woods. And we've talked about this a lot on the podcast about competing from behind. Right. I think it's easier to compete when you're behind. Yeah. Tiger is crushing it on the weekends because he's out of the he's tournament. Of like the he's tr- barely uh, making the tournament. He's out there. He's loose. Now, the question is, is because I think a lot of it is mental now because he's physically he's back. Like right. you can see physically he's back. You're talking about the drives. He's bombing them. I, everything looks looks awesome. But mentally, I think in the first couple rounds, I think he feels a little bit more of the pressure. I think he feels a little bit more of the nerves. Maybe right. He presses a little bit. 
doesn't play as well, but at least he's making the cuts. And then he's once he's kind of out of it, he comes out and he's and he lights out. I I still so my biggest question is, can he overcome that? And I think the answer is yes. Like I right. think he's gaining confidence. I think he's gaining. It's part of this. The process. Absolutely. It really is. And coming back from a major surgery, and this is all part of it. So I think it's, I would say, proper reaction. I wouldn't say, oh, because I think top ten is reasonable. With him, the way he's playing. Winning. Yeah. Winning. Winning. There it is. Boom. (laughs) That's yours. I'll go top ten, so I'll I'll back up on this one. You can go all in with a win up at Shinnecock, uh, up in uh, Long Island. So you need to go watch that thing. I do need to. Do we have have a hook? Do we have a connect? I'll hook it up. Or. Make it happen. Uh, All right. Next up, for overreaction or proper reaction. Andrew Luck will not be the Colts starter week one. So he had shoulder surgery, uh, torn right labrum in January of 2017. It's been forever. Not 18, 2017. Right. Missed a lot of last season. Uh, still rehabbing. Still hasn't thrown a regular size ball. So their GM, Chris Ballard, recently told PFT Live he's got a program specifically laid out that puts his timeline to get back in training camp. He didn't want to skip a step. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Not rushing. I don't want to say rushing, but you know, he felt the pressure coming back and he couldn't get right back. I think it's a proper reaction. You do. Well, only because, and I didn't know this before you said it, but if he hasn't si- thrown a proper size ball, I don't know. that, that gives me some, that gives me a little pause there. I mean, like that. We're in May, so it's only three or four months away till week one. I'm, that's a huge progression. You haven't thrown a regular size football, and you're going to be like gripping it and crazy. ripping it. That is concerning, but I think, I think he's starting week one. Okay. I think it's an overreaction. I think they're just taking it extremely slow because I think they rushed it back the last time. Right. He's been banged up throughout his entire career. I think they are taking this as much precaution as they possibly, possibly can. Uh, because I hope you're right. Franchise. Because if he does, if he still has problems, like if he goes out there and he's Chad Pennington with a little like pop shoot, yeah. like a little, like <laughs> he's little like, like it gun, yeah. he's going to be a totally different quarterback. <laughs> so they, and that's Chad Pennington had shoulder surgery. That's why he lost a lot of arms. Right. Strength. So I'm sure that's why they're concerned about it. But I think, I think he'll still be the starter week one. All right. NBA news. This is from last week. So, have the Toronto, Toronto Raptors got bounced, LeBronto Raptors, the LeBrons. got bounced, uh, swept by Cleveland. You felt like something had to change, right? So, the change they made was firing Dwayne Casey. Yeah. Was that the overreaction or was it the proper reaction by the Toronto Raptors? Could I take both? Like, I think it was an overreaction because I don't think Dwayne Casey is the problem there. I think, you know, Dwayne Casey... Um, what is he was fifty nine and twenty three this year, um, three hundred and twenty and two thirty eight over regular seasons, a fifty seven percent win percentage yep. there in Toronto. He has been a part of, and maybe I don't know to what degree because I'm not there, but a huge part with Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan, the reshaping of this franchise, mm-hmm. one that is now winning Eastern Conference regular season titles. If you had if you had said that eight or nine years ago, people would be like a statue for Dwayne Casey. Unfortunately, they keep running into the Cavs in the playoffs. Um, there were a lot of people that ran into Michael Jordan and the Bulls, Indiana Pacers, Reggie Miller, the the Knicks. Like all of those teams were good teams, and yeah, the coach ultimately is responsible for that. But like you're running into the best player on the planet in his prime. You're you're just one of those teams that is doomed. Here's the problem though, and this is why I think it is the proper reaction because you've got Kyle Lowry and Demar Derozan locked up through 2020. They're at, they're owed. 60 million, right? And then Ibaka's got another 22 million on the books. You don't have any flexibility to move the pieces there. Right. You don't have any flexibility to move the players and something has to change. And so Dwayne Casey ultimately is the easiest piece to move. And so for that reason, 
it's the proper reaction, but I do think it's an overreaction. Right. He's the sacrificial lamb, yeah. basically, is what happened. So I was okay with it when it came out. There were some people that were like, oh, how could you do this? He was voted coach of the year I by know, his peers. Crazy. By the NBA coaches, he was voted coach of the year. Uh, there was a lot of speculation why it happened. He benched DeMar DeRozan, like seven minutes left, didn't put him back in the game. So maybe there was some contention in that relationship. Yeah. But, uh, there was a report over the weekend that their GM, Masai Ujiri, actually, did, with the game winner, when LeBron caught it, dribbled down the floor and kept the little the floater that was beautiful. Uh, he's, that there was a report that after the game, the GM stormed into the Raptors dressing room at Quicken Loans Arena, just out of sight of most of the players, but not out of earshot, and rebuked Casey in the coach's office for failing to double team James. Uh, and then he said, after careful consideration, I've decided, this is his official statement, I've decided this is a very difficult but necessary step the franchise must make. As a team, we are constantly trying to grow and improve in order to get to the next level. So, for me, I felt like this was, all right, Dwayne Casey has done a great job taking the team to this far, but he's been there seven years. Yeah. He's 0 for his last 10 attempts at LeBron. <laughs> like, it's not like, and here's what else I think killed him. Yeah. You just watched Indiana, who's not as talented as you, take him to seven games. So there was a bunch of like all these forces sure. were coming together and something had to go. And the easiest thing to do in the NBA is move the coach. Yep. To fire the coach because it's, it's hard to move players. It's hard to blow up a roster. It's easier to get a new voice in there. Here's the thing though. Like LeBron, uh, I mean, LeBron is, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. But, LeBron, Le but that's, that's like the result. Like Nick Saban has had that. I think that's Nick Saban's most impressive stat is how many SEC coaches he's gotten fired. Right. Cause you just if, like less miles. He was great. Uh, awesome record. He beat Pam. Just couldn't get through with Nick Saban. Yeah. He got fired. Like, yeah. you see it happen in sports. Is it the right thing to do? We don't know. All I would say this. Toronto better have somebody that's better than Dwayne Casey. Grass is not always greener. Exactly. Yeah. As, some, as a lot of people have found out. All right, next up. Overreaction or proper reaction? The Sixers will add either LeBron, Kawhi Leonard, or Paul George this offseason. It's a proper reaction. It's a proper reaction. They, they've, they've come out. I, I thought it was, you know, I thought I thought it was great that they came out and actually said at some point when the time's right, Brett Brown said, I think we need help to win a championship. Boom. It's mm -hmm. in your face. Mm -hmm. There are only a few guys in the NBA. A few guys are going to be free agents that are going to be able to help get you over that hump. It, it's not going to be a player like me, for instance. It's it's a big dog. It's a it's a. It's a, it's an alpha and they've got 30 million in cap space, which will get you one of them. So I don't, I don't think that's an underreaction. You got Paul George, you got Kawhi, you got LeBron. You have to figure out if you're Philly, which one of those is the right piece to put with your young players. Which one of them isn't going to take away and stunt the growth of the young guys you have on that team? Because that's really critical. You're, I mean, especially. So let me ask you, cause you have, let's say there's a very real interest from LeBron in going yeah. to the Sixers. And obviously that would stunt the growth of Ben Simmons because they play a very similar position. They yes. do a lot of the similar things. Like Ben Simmons isn't going to sit on a wing and start hitting three-pointers. He doesn't have a jump shot. If you're the Sixers, would you pass on LeBron? No. Right. So I then wouldn't. you would kind of but put Ben Simmons on the back burner? I couldn't do that. It would have to be – the conversation would have to be with LeBron. LeBron has come out on record and say as saying that he can play with anybody. And he, his game, he's a basketball player. He's not a point guard. He's not a power forward. He's a player. And so he'll figure out how to play with anybody. And because sometimes he plays with guys that can't do what he does, he winds up taking over games. It would have to be a conversation where, like, listen, this is our this is our primary ball handler. Like Ben Ben has to be primary, kind of like what look Kyrie and LeBron were fifty fifty. 
Like Kyrie would take over games at times. LeBron would play second fiddle. He, I watched him right. do it. He can do it. Um, the problem then is you don't have enough shooting on the court to create the type of space that a, that a Ben Simmons would need because he does not shoot the ball. So you'd have to be very careful and very selective. But I, the answer to your question, short answer is no. I would not pass up on LeBron because in my opinion, that's a championship. Right. You get a championship when you can get one. Right. I think it's going to be a fascinating to see if LeBron would go there. Paul George also has done a lot of flirting with LA. Like, yeah. would he want to go to Philly where there's a better chance to win a championship or is he the type of guy that wants to go to LA? He's, that's home for him. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. It's going to be fascinating uh, offseason. Once again, uh, for the NBA, as the drama is going to unfold uh, over July 4th, you know, it's always around that time. You're yep. going to see guys getting wooed and recruited to different places. I wish I got wooed. I know, right? Me too. I never got that. I never got that in the NFL. All right, let's get our boy Debo involved. It's our time for some topics, baby. Debo, what do you got for us? We have to get Raja involved because we never got his reaction to this one. David Price paid a hefty price to use his hands to pitch a baseball. $217 million, actually. Well, last week, he couldn't pitch a baseball because he was diagnosed with carpal tunnel. Lots of people think due to his Fortnite addiction. (laughs) Price is an admitted gamer and Fortnite lover, but doesn't think the injury is connected. Should he quit Fortnite, Raja? Oh, bro. Look, uh, it's hard for me to quit Fortnite. I've been asked a few times. So, yeah, if it's going to cost you your damn day job, David Price, quit Fortnite or rate it in, man. Put like some, like, get yourself a little timer, sit it there, like, know that your, your bread is buttered. You can't afford Fortnite without the damn, what's he pit? What's he, what's he got? A fastball? Million. What's he a fastball? He's, got a, he's filthy. He's, he's nasty. nasty. But he's should been have struggling. a lot for two Yeah, exactly. I, you guys have no respect for this. I'm my bad. Yeah. But Fortnite is crazy addictive. Like it is really like a. So then why would you tell, like, if you're telling a smoker to stop smoking, you tell him to stop. You don't say, Hey, let's go down to one cigarette. He needs to quit. He needs, he needs to, get, to find a different game. Cold turkey. And I guess I don't, I don't know the game. Like, yeah. is it? Different repetitive motions. Well, I where get, you can play it on a keyboard. You could you could use it as see, you can that's what he needs it. to do. He needs to switch it up. Right. Yeah. There you go. Right. Sometimes playing PS4 or your Xbox 360. Sometimes yeah. on the thing. Right. Yeah. Exercise different muscles. It up. Yeah. It's gonna be his livelihood. It's it's happened before. There was a guy. There was a pitcher uh, that that was put on DL for playing Guitar Hero. Are you serious? So much Guitar Hero. Because that's baseball players. That's they ridiculous. Have, especially pitchers. They have so much free time. Right. Like, and if I was, it's interesting because if you're a manager, would you rather have your guy? Playing video games or out at the club, like yeah. hanging out till 3 a.m. Probably you'd rather, until now, then you're saying carpal tunnel, <laughs> carpal you're like, go out to the club a couple them. nights. Right. <laughs> um, Drake, a noted Fortnite player, and he's often more visible on the Toronto sidelines than Dwayne Casey, so why not be the guy to replace him? Meta World Peace, a source, a very credible source, tells TMZ that he should replace Dwayne Casey as the guy on the Raptors sidelines. How many games would he win if he was the Raptors coach? 20. He'd win 20 I think he'd win 35. Talent, talent wins games. Um, like, it, 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 stop. It's, I don't even know what, meta, meta, Serious. I, I love meta, but Serious cut it out. question for you though. How many games would Drake win as head coach of the Warriors? I think I yeah. could win 50 games. Yeah, he'd win, he'd win, roll the ball out. He'd win at least 45. I think he would yeah, too. Yeah, probably, probably 50. Right. Yep. But the Raptors ain't happening. As much uh, as he would go, oh my gosh, that would be so annoying. No, nah, there's, there's some interesting personalities there too. Like, yeah. you know, people discount, like X's and O's are one thing. It's all of it. People stuff. discount how much it means to, like, to managing, na- managing egos. egos and personalities. Yep. And, yeah. Sure. 
That's definitely something that happened this year in Cleveland. So we remember LeBron's not-so-subtle subtweet a couple of years ago, stop trying to find a way to fit out and just fit in. I think that's when you were there, Raja. Right. Uh, not about you, I think. <laughs> probably about Kevin Love. But he probably could have visited this season with Isaiah Thomas, the Cavs, known for their elaborate handshakes. IT, not about that life. He said, that's not what I want to do. I just score the basketball. He didn't do too much of that either this season. Yeah, listen, bro, take the damn handshake. Like, you know, like make it something basic cable. Maybe that could have been the joke, right? Like right. Everybody's got these elaborate ones. I'm just coming up and we'll do basic cable. We had handshakes when we were in, in Phoenix, and everybody had their own little flavor. Maybe it was Every just simple. single player on the roster. You had one with every single player. I did not have one with every single player, but we had Ed Eddie House really was the one that had him. So everybody that came out in the starting lineup, he had a different little thing that he did with you. And so ours was kind of, you know, basic cable and we flexed. And But, look, dude, when LeBron wants to shake your hand, Shake the man's hand. Right. <laughs> it's like, you got to kiss the like, ring. Come on, dog. You're about to make a hundred and some million dollars. Kid. Right. Like, exactly. Pay your respects. Right. And this, I like, as it's kind of corny, but it also, like, that type of stuff does build camaraderie. It does. Like, you kind of like it and have fun with it. Like, why do you have to be so, like, old man, get off my lawn, I teach? <laughs> All in line. Let's do it. A uh, couple more here. J. Cole, he's on tour soon. He was all over Miami this weekend, but not the Cole we're talking about in the rap world. We're talking about Cowboys wide receiver Cole Beasley, who dropped the autobiography, his debut album over the weekend. We listened to one of his songs a couple months ago on the podcast, now the full album. He said, for this album to be a success, for me it's really about just opening the door for people looking past the athletes trying to rap to he's just a rapper who happens to play oh. football. Wow. That's never going to happen. Next level. Hey, Debo, watch your mouth. You never know. Cole Beasley spitting fire. Yeah. Hey, look, we, we heard the track. It, it was, bad. it was, wasn't bad. It was pretty good. So. It's funny. Do you think, do you think an athlete would ever be taken seriously? No. I don't think uh, so. Either. Like, cause I think it's very, it's an industry where, and it's probably, it's like every industry, you kind of have to be in it and yep. know people and they have to respect you and look at you a certain way. And if you're a football player, I think they're going to look have at you to as quit. a football player. You know what? If you said, listen, I love rap more than I love football. I'm turning in my pads and my helmet. I'm now a rapper. Like, and you were legit. Right. Maybe then, like, you know what I mean? But yeah. it, like moonlighting as something. Right. You're not, you're not going to be taken seriously. No, they just right. won't ever get that same shine. Uh, actually up to number 11 on the iTunes hip hop slash rap album charts. What? So not bad. Uh, final topic here, a tale of matching tattoo superstar quarterback Carson Wentz and his fiance got matching ink. It says agape, which is a Greek word meaning the highest form of love. Technically, is this ever a smart agape. idea? Technically, agape. it's agape. I'll help out Debo there. Uh, it's right on his. It's like on his form right here, and they're holding hands, and it like falls in line perfectly together. I was actually, I saw this, and I was out to dinner with my wife. We had a nice little date night for right. Mother's Day, and I asked her, I was like, oh, and I would not have any answer. I was like, would you ever want to do this? Yes. And she's like, no. Nah. She's like, no. And then I was like, well, what about, what about, cause I've thought about the tattoo for oh, the, the rings. Ring. Yeah. yeah. Putting it under the ring. And I would probably still wear a ring, but put it under there. Right. And she was like, she's like, yeah. She's like, but, and she pointed out something very astute, very astute observation. She said, all the real housewives have done that and it always ends up uh, bad. Like they always end up divorced. Right. So there's a history. Like I'm now I'm a little concerned for Carson Wentz and his wife. Like, I don't know that the matching tats. Yeah. That's, it's too, Beyonce. Okay, go get yeah. yourself something like unique tats. Or unique. Right. 
uh, like in case right. it doesn't go well, you're not walking around. Right. <laughs> like get yourself something right. Something unique. So right. my wife said we could do her name's Courtney with a C. Yeah. And so because she's like, oh, you could get CK and I could get DK. And she got a little mad at me because I said if it didn't work out, I could just make it to a D, just kind of <laughs> fill it in the C. She did not like that comment. So if you if you guys are listening out there, don't even don't even joke about that type of stuff. Yeah, that's not a touchy subject. <laughs> and I would avoid the couple's tats. Yeah, no, it's just me. You never know. I'm with you. Never you, know bro. what can happen. All right, that's the type of advice you get here on off the bench. <laughs> it's invaluable. You can't uh, you can't live without it. Uh, thanks for checking us out. Uh, hopefully you guys are back next time. Make sure you go subscribe and download on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review in the comment section. Ask us a question. We will answer them on our five-star Q&A on Friday. And as always, go follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Canel and Bell. Have a good one.